Hi, I'm the CIA. You may have seen my newest film, Spying on Americans in the Name of Public Safety, but you may also remember me from some timeless classics such as Who's This Guy Governing People on Top of Our Oil? Snack Wars, Revenge of the Fruit Company, Arming Afghans to Fight Russia, What Could Go Wrong? Hey, where is all this cocaine coming from? Why is there so much crack in black America? A dictator still has the weapons that we gave him? Time for some more freedom. And the current ongoing saga that is in production as we speak. Moderate Rebels, a confusing love story. All of these titles, plus much, much more, coming soon to CIA TV. Guys, this is Logan Carpenter with my good friend Matthew Billingsley here again uh, with another episode of Against the Mob podcast. Now, today we wanted to take a moment, um, especially with some of the information becoming more prevalent out there in the media. Uh, some emails got released from our uh, Dr. Fauci recently that we thought were interesting. Um, but essentially, what we want to get into today is fact checking the fact checkers. So, we've noticed there's this large apparatus within our media uh, that's bled its way into social media as well, where our government has taken upon itself in many different areas to at least pressure some of these companies, if not directly uh, tell them who to be censoring. Um, and it's left onto the shoulders of these fact checkers. So our question today, the first one we want to try to answer is who are these fact checkers? Um, what do they get to decide the facts versus the, the falsities of our news cycle? And what are their incentives in doing said reporting? Uh, we're also going to get into one of our favorite topics, which, of course, is the uh, criticisms of the cathedral and our worries about what the uh, the apparatus that is the state funded media, uh, state influenced media and what they're feeding to us. And then we're specifically going to get into some of the hypocrisies of the reporting, uh, a lot of which is going to center around some of the COVID-19 stuff. But uh, there's going to be plenty of other examples that I'm sure Matthew and I will be happy to illuminate you guys on as well. Absolutely. COVID-19, election 2020, and pretty much everything in between. Before we get going, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to Against the Mob. I uh, want to thank our dear, 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 dear sponsor, Lorenzotti Coffee. I know that every weekend we're just going to keep talking about them. You know, that's that's what we do here. Um, we drink their coffee and we talk about them on the podcast. So if you guys have not checked them out, go order you a cup of premium, authentic Italian coffee delivered right to your front door. Use the promo code ATM10 to let Zach know that we sent you and you will get 10% off your purchase. So I think right, literally right before we, uh, we hit record, um, I put right at the top of kind of our rundown is like, what is the truth? And I think that's a really good question to try to start this, uh, start this podcast off because I mean, we can talk about, um, permanent capital T truth, but we can also talk about like transient human lower T truth. And what's really interesting to me about this question is 
who gets to actually decide like what are the facts quote unquote because i mean there's there's things that we know right like light travels a certain speed um at a certain speed we know that if i drop a ball off a off a roof it falls at 9.8 meters per second right like we know certain things to be true but when it comes to information and narratives and stories this idea of what is true quickly fades from the like concrete black and white and way more into like this level of shades of gray. And I just think that it's a really, um, a really poignant topic to focus on because when we think about, okay, well, I pull up Instagram and it's like, oh, the fact checkers say this, well, who are these fact checkers and why are they fact checking this particular post and who are they to decide what is actually truth? And I think it's something that hits true to the heart of uh, a lot of libertarian minded, liberty minded people uh, in general is this idea of why truth should be derived from evidence that we should simply, I, in my mind, the best way to purse out truth is to lay all the cards on the table and to, to use the best educated guess that we can to find truth in the matter. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem with this that we have today in our society uh, and really the problem that goes farther back than just our society. It's been a, pro a problem throughout humankind uh, existence on this planet is that the powers that be are going to try to structure the message you get. Uh, now we've seen in recent years where this has spread out quite a bit, where now we have social media, we're able to put messages online through message boards or, or share with our friends across the world through the wonders of the internet, uh, where used to, it was a lot easier where they could simply not teach the peasants to read, uh, and you get the message that's passed down from the, the bourgeoisie, whether it's the church or the government. Um, but everybody's got a bias. This is something we understand. Even us here on this show, we have our inherent bias based on the lives that we've lived and the information that we've filtered through, uh, and that that's not untrue for any human being on this planet. Uh, but today, what we're trying to get into and to kind of explore is this truth. What is truth? How many times are you presented truths that are ironclad truths from your government, and there's no reason to question them? that 10, 20 years down the road, we find out, turns out Saddam Hussein didn't have weapons of mass destruction. It's a, yes. a story as old as time that we've seen play out a lot. And it's got us into a hell of a lot of messes that when you're put into a situation where you don't have the correct information or you're led uh, with false information, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be false, but just a twinge of the phrase or a changing of the number here or there can really influence the way our nation uh, sways. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, it's and oftentimes that, uh, you know, we are we're not talking about the big lie here, though, that you could make an argument that this is the big. I actually I'm going to retract that right back. I think that what we are talking about <laughs> is another form of the big lie. And the big lie off the top of my head is like it's a lie that is so outrageous that most people believe that it is true because who could lie about something that big, you know, I, I know that I know that the, the left and uh, and academia really like to talk about Trump's big lie of 2020, that the election was stolen from him and that he actually won and yada, yada. And it's like, ah, whatever, um, don't really care, <laughs> honestly. But I think that what we are talking about is just like a continuation of the big lie. And at this point, it's that um, a lot of people, I think, um, because truth as they see it as is the new like 
truth through the news as they see it has only ever come through uh, the television. And I recently watched Network. I mean, I watched that movie probably like every quarter or so. Um, and I rewatched it the other is maybe like a week ago um, on a Sunday afternoon. And there's a there's a there's a great there's a great uh, line towards the end of the movie, probably like the back uh, third of it where he's he's criticizing the audience. He goes, you know, woe is us um, because only 2% of you people read books. Less than 15% of you people read the newspaper. The only goddamn truth, you know, comes through this tube, you know, and um, and it goes on that it's the it's the it's the most uh, powerful weapon of propaganda. Now it's in control of the United States 12th largest corporation. So whatever they deem to be truth is going to come at you. And I think that that's very powerful because we are a um, we are a generation, even the younger generation, but specifically us millennials and then the generation above us who um, a lot of times the only the only news that we've ever really digested comes through a pretty face with uh, with straight white teeth on the six o'clock news. And then you get uh, and then you get like those late night talk show hosts. But I think just to kind of like move the conversation forward, in my opinion, and Logan might disagree with me or not. Um, I think that like the big tech and the corporate media is probably one of like the most it's, it's a primary threat to our society. I know that the state is always one that us libertarians like to uh, talk about. But for me, this is one of those um this is one of those threats that isn't nearly as immediate because we are so focused on the state. But at the end of the day, it's like a big tech and the corporate media is is the is the arm or maybe the dagger that the state uses to actually plunge the knife into our hearts. I think that's easy for a libertarian to get behind. I think that that comes as no shock. And I think that a big reason we're doing this episode today, and at least what's at the forefront of my mind and what I want to get across to you guys um, is that this isn't just another one of these crazy libertarian talking points. You can look out at some of the worst decisions we've made that have caused deaths, both of American and foreign people, uh, civilians in a lot of cases, um, through a lot of these wars that we've been through. And it's all just examples of exactly this, where we've been fed false narratives that try to push us in a certain direction. I was just listening today, uh, where the Young Turks, um, who are a, a very left-leaning podcast group, uh, uh, claim to be super progressives and they are dragging the name of Aaron Maté through the mud currently. Uh, now, Aaron Maté was a gentleman who reported on the Iraq war when we first went, uh, well, secondly, went into there, I guess, <laughs> when Junior got his shot at, at Saddam. Uh, and he was one of the early ones to say that, hey, there's no weapons of mass destruction. This is all bunk. We're going into this country based on a lie. Um, and he was drugged through the mud then, a lot of McCarthyism type of uh, behavior where this guy is a uh, terrorist sympathizer. Uh, he must hate freedom. It must be some kind of uh, commie Taliban deep cell. And then it turns out once the, the war has uh, clambered on for 10, 15 years, we're starting to realize there really were no weapons of mass destruction. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been just doing this again um, where he has been in, on the ground in Syria reporting on the gas, uh, alleged gas attacks by Assad on his people. Um, and it's from everything I've read, it, it appears to me at this point that that was not true, that Assad uh, had been backed. The, the narrative was that he was kind of backed into a corner and decided to gas his own people out of desperation. But the reality of the reporting that's come after the fact, now that the, uh, the effort to push us, our troops into that nation kind of failed by our government, we're starting to realize that, hey, there actually never were any active gas bombs that went off where they had alleged they had, uh, and that Assad really wouldn't have benefited. There wouldn't be a lot of sense. The only thing that could have kept 
uh, him from winning this civil war, which he ultimately did against these rebels, would have been something uh, like the use of chemical weapons that would bring these larger nations in to help out um, based on war crimes that were committed. So it it was a narrative that didn't make a lot of sense, but it's something that they push across the table. Here's this flash of uh, emotional information for you that this man is gassing women and children. And I, to take a, a quick moment, I'm no fan of Assad. <laughs> he's a, a horrible human being from all accounts. Um, I'm sure he's killed plenty of women and children, just like I think most American presidents have killed plenty of women and children. Uh, however, Specifically in this forum, they were trying to set up a situation where we could have an excuse to send troops into a country that we have uh, vocalized wanting to go into for many, many years already. Uh, and that this was yeah. simply a, an opportunity for us to justify said invasion. Um, and that this is something that they're they're now dragging him through the mud when it's brought up. They, they call him again a terrorist sympathizer. He's an Assad sympathizer. Uh, he's on the Russian payroll. Um, they cited a, a company, I believe, that even... Uh, sends funding for him to do his journalism as a, an Assad group. Um, but what they don't tell you is that it's not an Assad group. It's a, a group based in California who funds reporting to try to stop the wars, all wars, not mm. just the Syrian war. Uh, so they had a vested interest in trying to stop <laughs> or gain any kind of evidence they could to show that this maybe wasn't a gas attack on the own people if possible, or, or at least a purse out if it was, and if it was necessary for America to send troops into war in their own eyes. Um, but yet this gets painted as uh, he's another Russian agent, uh, which is a terminology that we're all getting used to in these days. Um, and just drug through the war is over. Pick a, right. Like, right. Cold War. The, it wants its foreign policy back. Like pick a new, pick a new enemy, pick a new cause. COVID's over. The Cold War is over. Stop blaming the Russians. Stop blaming COVID-19. <laughs> and all these clever things. They, are, they do have to continue uh, moving the terminology in the bars. I mean, it's it's always been that Nazis uh, become one that we've almost left in the dust at this point. It's it's getting hard mm -hmm. to call people Nazis to their face. Um, and I do want to make the point as well that this is, uh, once again, we're not talking about the lizard people or the Illuminati or the Freemasons here. What we're talking about is the state as an apparatus that gets to survive on your capital, your hard work, your production, the things that you create that provides uh, value to society. The government takes one third of that and reappropriates it. And the reason we as libertarians think this is a bad idea is because you get situations like this where the incentive base within this structure is ultimately going to be to continue to perpetuate the structure. There's going to be people at the top who want to gain more power for themselves to have more influence so that they can uh, use said influence to benefit themselves. But there's also people as lowly as uh, the janitor who's going to have a vested interest because his paychecks come through this organization. Uh, we've all worked for companies before. Uh, at least most of us. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not on a farm somewhere, you probably understand some corporate entity that you've worked for in the past where you did something that you maybe wasn't blatantly amoral. And it certainly wasn't presented to you that way by the corporation when they wanted to push it. Yet it is ultimately what every corporation's effort is, and it is to make more money. And that you are a, a piece of this machine, a piece of a, a cog in this machine that's moving this effort forward. And that same thing can be said for a state structure where there is this large apparatus that is trying to justify itself while also growing itself as possible. That's going to use every inch of its budget every year. And we've all been in those boardrooms where the, the boss man says we need to spend X amount of dollars or our budget gets cut next year. And that's essentially what this is. It's not necessarily a top down plan conspiracy. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost in this and start calling it conspiracy theories and lose focus on what the true enemy is when what it really is is this apparatus this hierarchical structure 
Uh, in the same way we have a military industrial complex that most people can wrap their heads around, the state itself is a industrial complex that will continue to perpetuate itself in any means necessary, not by any central plan, but just by the incentive set within it of every cog in the machine. Yeah, there's a lot of those. I mean, we have the the medical industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industrial complex. I mean, the media industrial complex. I think that's just a really it's a good phrase. Um, when you were talking about um, gas attacks, I just remember there's this video, and I'll try to find it and put it in the, in the show notes. But there's a there's a reporter, and I can't remember. Maybe it's CNN. Doesn't really matter. But it was after the gas attacks. She picks up a backpack. And she sniffs it, you know, and it's like, she's like, oh, there's reports of a gas attack and sniffs the backpack. And it's like, okay, really, really? Right. That's what, that, that's and what I believe, you... I believe her exact words are, there's definitely something there that stings. <laughs> which, if you're okay, investigating a, a deadly, yeah, I know exactly which one. I've forgotten her lineage as well, but she's also connected through blood to, to one of these actors. She's somebody's granddaughter. Uh, which is an, another really fishy one. Another one of these military industrial complex characters she happens to be related to. So go figure. She would have a, a vested interest on, on uh, or a vested bias, maybe is a better way to put it on several levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was just a, a quick little side note that I thought was funny. But I think that it is really important for us to note that uh, like the news uh, news through the TV is not news, right? It's entertainment. And it is focused on the bottom line that these are corporations that um, have money in, um, in it, that like that's their game plan. Like how many clicks, how many views um, can we get to generate revenue? And it just happens to take the greatest propaganda mechanism that the world has ever seen and uh, transform it. And it's really, I mean, good on them. You know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Um, good on them for taking television and turning it into like this this uh, vessel of truth and the beacon of enlightenment for our and generation that, uh, that exact creeping nature of the state is is prevalent in this conversation as well because we've seen it with of course news news is probably god knows how long the state and in, in before america existed had a stranglehold on the news within it um that was a big reason but one of our earliest protections was freedom of the press that we were trying to create a situation where the government doesn't control all the news because then the government is going to release to you news that is very favorable to said government. Um, but we've seen it continue out. There's a, I've mentioned it before. There's my generation was uh, pretty well known for taking our news from the likes of John Stewart and Stephen Colbert on late night comedy shows, because you found that within that humor, there were nuggets of truth that were, not covered by the mainstream media that were against the narrative because in making satirical videos to make fun of the mainstream media, one of the funniest things to do was to show their hypocrisies. Well, in doing so, whether they were doing it uh, intentionally to try to enlighten us all, or they just stumbled upon a, a comic trope that happened to unveil a hell of a lot of truth underneath it. Um, a lot of people turned away from mainstream media and started finding these comedians on late night shows that would uh, would unveil truths to them that they would not have otherwise had access to. And now you can go watch all the same shows and see 100% across the board state funded media talking points. They're all CIA mouths at this point. And, Trevor and right, Trevor Noah and Samantha B, all those the the new uh John Stewart's uh they, they're not they're, funny. They they're not funny either, which is <laughs> which is they not advantageous. Uh, but even bigger than that, they they all have the same message now. There's no 
diversity of the message. They're not looking at different things. They're not uncovering things you're not hearing in the mainstream. They're just trying to make jokes uh, from the the king's list of approved jokes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because I mean, this kind of brings us back to like, what are the facts and who gets to decide what is this truth? Um, and I think that what's been really interesting to see that this has been a slow creeping movement, right? Like this is not a new phenomenon, but it kind of kicked into full gear in our face over 2020 with, with the pandemic and then jumping into the election. Right. Um, you know, the Washington post, I, I remember uh, this was maybe like a month ago when they disbanded their, uh, their fact checking department, because I guess now that, uh, Donald Trump is that what truth is back on the menu you know it's like <laughs> now that now that the greatest threat to our democracy has been vanquished there's no reason to fact check a presidential administration you know um and it's it is I just can't I mean I say all the time but I just can't wrap my mind around it it's like how can like how are, how are you supposed to trust this career politician who's made millions in quote unquote public service as to be like the harbinger of truth and and honesty and decency and like government restore? I don't know. It's like it it really bugs me. But um, and we need to bring back lawyer and uh, politician jokes. That used to be something that was very prevalent in our society, and I think it served an important purpose to remind people and to teach children. Even I think I from an early age probably heard a lawyer joke and was like what does that mean? And then your, right. uh, your father will enlighten you about every horrible experience he's ever had with a lawyer or politician. And it, it helps to kind of open the door to these, uh, these s- small jokes that you might tell at a bar when you had a couple beers with a friend um, are actually very illuminating to somebody who's not aware of the real world yet and <laughs> doesn't understand exactly what a politician is. Uh, and mm-hmm. obviously we're no fans of deitizing politicians on this show. No way. Um, I think that just to move the conversation forward, to really, it's like this, there's these forces that are working together behind the scenes to decide like what information does and does not disseminate through the stratus of our everyday life, you know, and that's just fifth generational warfare kind of kicked up in our, in our lives in, in real time. And I know that there's, um, I know a lot of people on both the left and the right like to say it's a private company, bro. Um, it can do it at once. Uh, but at the same time, oppression comes in many forms. And one of those things that I am extremely wary about in 2021, um, now that we're, God, we're halfway through the year. Oof, man, I need to get it together. <laughs> um, this is this is zipping by. Um, it's like this unholy merger of big tech and the government. And I know that we've talked about this several times. And so we don't want to pair it and just get stuck on repeat um, about the cathedral, but it is important to just um, point out once again that there's that there is this this dark alliance. Um, that's kind of the only way I know how to put it between big tech and the government, because it seems that the two are working really closely together. I mean, once upon a time, media served this really important function, like journalism held the sacred role in our country. That That, that is what Logan said. That's that why we had the protection of the First Amendment, was to ensure that uh, there was free speech and critiques of the government could go unchecked from the government. And now, um, 
it seems that that media and journalism has lost that sacred duty to, um, you know, destroy presidential administrations. I mean, Nixon went down because of reporting, you know, um, the, the, the television and news has destroyed presidents. It has, it has toppled empires. It has done, has done some cool things, but unfortunately it has, um, it's shifted now where it's like, well, wait a minute, we'll just, uh, we'll just, Hey, like we'll be on the same team. And now, you know, there's not a lot that anyone can really do. And I think that's a lot of why we're, we're pushing this, uh, the importance of staying focused on the eye on the prize. Uh, we did that episode on wokeness a while back, uh, a wokeism is an idea and it's how it's essentially a distraction. It's almost a CIA plot, uh, maybe even directly. Um, and it's the same thing here where they, they want you to be focused on something else when we all know that the people we should be most critical of are the ones with the most power and that they want to shift it away from us. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the wokeism is kind of the new thing where they're, they're saying, don't you want to take down white men who have all the power? It's pride month. And there is right there. There's a certain uh, <laughs> amount of truth to white men in Western society in recent history, having said power, but what they're taking away from is they're putting your focus on, hey, look over here at white men and don't look at who's actually president right now. Don't look at the government that makes all these decisions and shuts down your economy for a full year uh, and, and bombs children in foreign countries. Uh, we have to continue to stay focused on the powers that be because they are the ones who have the most power. The, they have the biggest bat to swing around. They're the ones who are going to do the most damage. It's not the the you know, a racial group of people to point at that that's creating all the problems in this society when all of the power is consolidated and disseminated by a certain group. That's not specifically one racial group. That's very privileged of you to say, I just have to point that out that, uh, that, that, that everything you said is completely false because you are a, a straight white male and your opinion does not matter because, um, everything that you say is racist and classist and sexist. So well, touche. I guess that's where we're going to end the podcast today, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening guys. We'll catch you, ne- <laughs> catch you next time. I think, yeah. Um, it, it's, I just, I just, it just, it's just so funny to me. And funny is it's one of those things that's like, maybe I laugh from screaming or crying. We're getting really irate about some of these things because what we what we fail to see is when these when these things get together, you know, um, the merger of uh, corporations. Well, it's the it's a conflict of interest. It's the same on a smaller scale. We're complaining about it right now with police reform, where why are these police officers allowed to evaluate whether or not police officers murdered people? Mm-hmm. Why is it the same department? It's the same thing with our government. You can't have a, a system that justifies all the wars that is paid and bought by by the people who benefit from the wars and want to fight the wars. You're going to get pro-war propaganda that way. And that's kind of what we're worried about with this merger of our media and our state is as they slowly uh, come in. And, and a lot of it, I think we, we maybe go down the conspiracy line a little, rabbit hole a little too much again uh, when we talk about the merger of, of state. And I think a lot of this is kind of uh, what uh, 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 Matthew Mitchell educated on us on, on the, uh, regulation through raised eyebrows mm-hmm. that a, a lot of this isn't necessarily their lockstep with the government uh, by, in a boardroom and deciding exactly what they all need to say as much as it is, Hey, we don't want to be the fly that gets the swatter. So we better be 
in line with these other companies because we, we don't want to stick out. You know, the the tallest hair is the one that gets plucked. So they they want to blend in with other media companies uh, again for what any corporation's motive is, which they have, they all have a motive. They all have the same motive. They all want to make money. They're all lying to you when they put a gay flag up this month, uh, which they all will because it's pride month. They're all lying to you when they tell you they care about family values. When Disney cares about family values and puts out sappy videos about it and then shoots videos in China, just miles away from Uyghur slaves. Uh, They don't care about you at all. These corporations are entities. They don't have a thinking mind as a, as in a sort of hive mind, malicious uh maleficent view of the world but they have an entire structure that is built around the idea that they have to make more money this year than they did last year and that's what they're going to continue to do so if you buy anything past that in my mind you just haven't done your homework Mm -hmm. yeah and i think there's uh, i think there's a term for what happens when government and uh corporations get together uh what they call that fascism is that right that's right Uh, right. something like that you know um (laughs) and i think that this is a um this is the slow creeping march towards that in this country and i mean back to the whole corporation thing you're 100 right i i think it's so funny um all of like the the gay pride memes and and what done all the company logos it's all just virtue signaling i mean and we've talked about that in several different episodes it's the easiest platitude if i can change my logo to a rainbow and you leave me alone then that's a hell of an investment it's like what i have to do i paid i didn't i didn't didn't um, change any of my practices i didn't hire any more gay people than i did last year or any more trans people than i did last year i didn't benefit the community uh, of lgbtq at all but i did put a rainbow flag on my twitter account Yep. So none of you guys should be upset with me because I'm one of the good guys. Look at my yep. some unpaid intern. That was their job, you know, for that, all of these companies. To that, just like, by the way, guys, logo goes, pretty. and that goes both directions. A lot of people love Chick-fil-A because it's such a good Christian company. Uh, Chick-fil-A is not without profit motive as well. Chick-fil-A does, uh, intentionally puts themselves in the news as not being for gay pride because they don't mind the Christian crowd that comes to them where their restaurants exist predominantly in the South. If Chick-fil-A was up North, they'd have a different tone. Maybe. I don't know. I do like Chick-fil-A and I've always joked about that, that like, I don't really care what Chick-fil-A does, what their values are, what they do with their money. It's like, dude, if Chick-fil-A wanted to like string up gay people outside of their, their restaurant, I'd like push the bodies past is like, excuse me, sir. I'm trying to get a chicken sandwich. Just need those waffle fries real bad. (laughs) Like part, See, pardon, I, me, pardon me. <laughs> I've always been more of a Popeyes guy, and I was uh, I was shocked at the nation's uh, revelation at how good the Popeye sandwich was because I had been eating the Popeye sandwich for years and thought it was a wonderful sandwich. And honestly, I think uh, what I was able to boil that down to to justify that in my mind is, oh, that's white liberal America who doesn't have any black friends that just found out that Popeyes has a good sandwich because they would never go into that neighborhood otherwise. Okay, that's actually really no. I'm trying to think about like where all the Popeyes have been located in towns I've lived in. They're they're not where the Chick Fil A's are. We'll just they're not they're not in the downtown district. <laughs> we'll just leave it. They're not where you find Chick Fil A's. Okay, so moving moving on, we wanted to kind of spend the rest of this episode really diving into some of like the real um, the the specifics of where like the fact checkers have gotten it wrong. And so once again, you know, the point of this episode, we're here to fact check the fact checkers. And I think that the, just a really good place to start is with Instagram. Um, it's, it's that app that, you know, most of our generation uses. I don't even know who uses Facebook really anymore. Um, 
But uh, I think it's just like boomers at this point uh, that use Facebook. But with Instagram, like it, it started, I mean, when, when, what, excuse me, when was this like mid, um, mid 2020, where all of a sudden any post with uh, COVID or um, it was fact checked, you got the bottom, it's like for information on COVID-19, click here. And then as we went um, with the election, it started to pop up. And then when the vaccine started getting rolled out, um, the jabs, as you would have to call it. So the, so the Instagram algorithm didn't put that stupid little, oh, for, for information on vaccines, click the CDC website, you know, it's like, and everything started getting spammed. And uh, I think that what's, um, I, I think another one that I, that kind of comes just to my mind, that's not so much about COVID-19, but just like a story that was prevalent that we know to have some validity now, but was swept under the rug was the Hunter Biden story. And so they fact checked that and they hid it until after the election. (laughs) And then as soon as the election was over, they're like, Hey, you know, that story about Hunter Biden that we were telling you wasn't true. That actually is true. And he's under investigation by the FBI for all of these things that we told you had no bearance whatsoever. And not, not just is now under investigation. He was under investigation by the FBI that entire time. And they mm-hmm. knew that in a lot of these instances and ref- decided not to, uh, to let that information out or at least keep it close to vest. Um, yeah, it's um, I mean, but still on that one, before we, before we keep moving forward, it's like we were told that this was Russian disinformation, you know, and just another attempt by Donald Trump to um, with the help of Putin to try to undermine this election and distill it. And we were right. told time and time again by all of these experts that, hey, no, 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 this is this is this is this is classic Russian disinformation. There's, there's nothing credible here. <laughs> the New York Post published this article in October of 2020. And immediately the media, government officials and security experts were out in front of it saying that it was this is Russia. And I mean, back to the whole the Cold War once it's foreign policy back, pick a new cause. And I think that particularly NPR was, um, which is also partially funded by your tax dollars. Don't ever forget that, uh, you know, national public radio is partially funded by your money. Um, They were also complicit in this cover-up. So the NPR public editor, Kelly McBride, um, he was later, um, he later explained that the biggest reason that listeners hadn't heard much on NPR about the the post, and that's the New York Post who broke that story, um, that they had not heard about the post story is that, quote, the assertions don't amount to much. And then the NPR manager, managing editor, Terrence Samuel said, we don't want to waste our time on stories that aren't really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. And quite frankly, that's where this ended up. This was dot, 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 a politically driven event. And we decided to treat it that way. Well, a couple of months ago, what did they do in the shadows? They quietly edited that story on the back end with no fanfare whatsoever. A very, a very quiet mea culpa, as they would say. And they changed it saying that, you know what? That story that we told you had no claims of validity whatsoever, it was true. You know, I didn't think to look it up, but was NPR uh, ever big into pushing Russiagate with the, the Trump election? I don't know. I'll look that up real fast. I think that would be really interesting if it uh, does turn out that they were into Russiagate, which has turned out to be a, a 
basically an entirely false narrative that was funded by the DNC through the Steele dossier, uh, where they paid a foreign agent to to dig up false dirt on uh, Trump through this thing. It'd be very interesting for them to take such a pious stance on this uh, now. Um, I mean, you could go through, down the line with that and go to the Iraq war if you wanted to as well. And just say, are, are we uh, are we handling all these stories this way? Or is it just what you have decided, which is kind of the case we're here to make today, that all of these news organizations with their bias, uh, many of whom are bought and paid for by the government or have a vested interest in the government's tax money, tax breaks, or uh, otherwise uh, positive abilities of uh, to escape the tax man and the government's stranglehold on you uh, in all sorts of different ways. The government can trip you up. Um, are they a little bit more open to those narratives and to, to blocking stories that might hurt the people that they think are going to be in power in the next cycle? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see anything. A quick uh, duck, duck, go search did not yield any, um, any solid results. But I mean, I listened to NPR at first every morning and they definitely, I mean, they're, they're pretty moderate. I think that they definitely do lean left at the end of the day, but there was a lot of times like, Every morning when I listen to it, I usually catch one thing that it's like, well, that's a little, you know, it's like, that's maybe not quite fair and unbiased reporting right there. The way that they slant things. Um, I remember specifically like on the 2020 election um, that there, you know, when I think this is probably like back in January or so, it's like Donald Trump claims, un, uh, which is unfalsely or, or falsely um that uh, the election was stolen, which we know is not true. You know, they would, they would, they're really good at like interjecting those quick little um, qualifiers for right. those. Statements. And that's Just the way a lot of those fact there. checkers go as well. It doesn't, uh, the fact checking doesn't often say this is false. Hunter Biden's laptop was never recovered. It'll say, you know, a headline might say Hunter Biden's laptop was recovered to show evidence of uh, interminglings with China. And they'll, say fact checker false real big and red letters with a giant x and then under that the explanation will say it has not yet been confirmed that this is hunter biden's computer right you know something like that little little subtle thing to take you off the trail they poke at the tiny details right um to try to discredit the whole thing and i think that that's Mm. why it's really important that when we when we when we come to the when we come to the table to fight the intellectual ideas that we do have our that we do have our our arguments honed down to the T because people like to take the fact that you didn't dot your T and then try to unravel that to well now your entire argument is moot because you didn't have your T crossed um, or your I dotted and something like that but yeah it is like the, it's that like little- uh, the equivalent of having a, a really good point in a group text with all your buddies and then you misspell something and everybody uh, calls you derogatory terms <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, some man. potentially that's- an inside joke I didn't mean to release to the audience there oh that's so funny that really tickles me <laughs> so without without getting too much into details, Logan was having a very infuriating experience with, uh, was it Best oh, Buy? I had forgotten about this. It was Academy. We had uh, decided to get some <laughs> softball gloves and we were going to start getting working out again. So we're like, oh, some softball gloves will motivate us to go outside and, and move around a little bit. And they uh, had botched it and took forever to fix it and took three different managers to come over to to fix it so that we could get out of there and they had to refund a credit card that they charged incorrectly. And it was a a whole mess of things, which is not important, but I was texting Matthew, you know, Hey, I'm, 
I'm dealing with these cashiers right now. And like, uh, there's some, some trouble going on. I'm, I'm not happy. So, uh, I'll, you know, I'm getting to it. I'm not home yet. We can't do anything with the podcast because I'm dealing with this. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what the word was. I mistyped, but Matthew just typed back. It's, you know, <laughs> this is how it spelled you moron. And I almost just started donkey Konging every employee in that Academy going on a, a murder spree with my fist. I, I had more rage in my body in that moment than I have in many years. <laughs> Happy, happy to be here, man. Happy to help. Um, <laughs> so, so I think, I mean, along that same line, now we're kind of on the COVID-19 train. I remember YouTube, um, and we talked about this in our episode with Public Hanging for Pedophiles. And if you guys haven't checked that out, please go listen to it. Go support them, Public Hangings for Pedophiles. You can find them. It is P-H um, or P with P-F-H-P dot com. Um, go spin with no public, public hang. hanging PHFP. Oh yeah. Whatever Logan just said, um, <laughs> go, go there, spend some money, help support the cause, turning action, turning awareness into action. Um, but and do some that, reading on it. Even if you don't listen to our episode with those guys, just uh, another reminder to everybody, look into the numbers of human trafficking within the country, this country today. It's, it will alarm you and it will, hopefully wake something up inside of anybody with a moral heart to understand this is a, a huge problem, but that, that's an aside. I just wanted to throw that out. Indeed. Indeed. I agree. Um, and something that we had talked about on that episode is that uh, YouTube can step in and censor the medical community that dissented against the mainstream media narrative about COVID-19. Um, but they can't, they can't, uh, they can't stop removing like pornographic images and videos of children. Um, so, so fuck they also, YouTube. Uh, and I don't know the exact numbers on it, but I know that they are lacking in uh, medical degrees within the fact-checking community on the YouTube board from the way I understand it. I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to guess that your fact checker is um, someone who does not get enough vitamin D. Somebody who's more <laughs> likely to have blue hair than a doctorate. I would, yes, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, maybe a couple of bad tattoos, but definitely not medical doctors um, sitting in their basement. Really, that's not right. Um, and yeah, so more, I, more likely to have a man bun than to be an expert in virology. <laughs> also true. All of these stereotypes are hidden for me, man. Um, I, I remember, and maybe you saw this, there was that video of the two doctors um, saying that the lockdowns went against everything that immunology had taught them right that that you know it's like you don't put a child in a in a bubble and say come out with a healthy immune system right you have to let the you have to let the excuse me um you have to let the child uh crawl around and it touches its face and that that spurs on um all of these immune responses igg ign right all of these things because you're introducing uh germs and bacterias and foreign entities into your immune system that it can then recognize and build up defenses and so it's like this whole idea that you're going to lock yourself in a bubble and wash your hands 18 times a day and sterilize every single countertop that goes against what we know because at the end of the day you're going to come out with a weakened immune system right and so i think that just kind of like on this on this topic right like instead of being told that like hey you know what you should get outside because sunlight is good we know that vitamin d really helps combat this virus and this disease um you should get outside 
And you should exercise too, because we also know that, you know, the more active you are, the better your immune system is, right? There, there's the like these basic things. And then all of a sudden, like common sense just went right out the window because it's the novel coronavirus from China. But that's racist to, to say China. But now we have the Indian variants and we have the South African variants and we have all of these other variants. But that's not racist to call those things. But if you want to call it the the Wuhan flu or the Kung flu or the China, the China virus, that's not OK. Um, but I think that just like back along these lines, there was so much information that was coming out about like, wait a minute, maybe what is being, you know, being um, being um, purported in the mainstream media is not accurate because here are here are we the medical community this is our background and as soon as they went up youtube's like eh, actually that's not true right yeah and it's it's alarming to see people who are experts in the field that aren't allowed to have a voice at the table uh, based on decisions made by people who are, have zero experience in the field um, it's alarming and i should show you already that there at least is room for there to be the issue of people who are fact checking based on political views or their own biases uh, or their own desired outcomes rather than based on the evidence provided to them by medical professionals. Um, and I know a lot of people will argue that, well, they were, they were talking about the, the medical professionals, um, the information they were getting and specifically probably that from Fauci. Um, which is, is something we're going to get into here in a, a, just a moment to, to talk about Fauci himself, the, uh, the prophet doctor um, who's led us down the perfect path to survive the coronavirus. The charlatan himself, Dr. Fauci. Fauci. The high, he was actually the highest paid government official last year. Really? Fancy that. Yep. Interesting. And he, he got paid a lot of money to get in front of that tube and lie to you, directly to you, good listeners of this podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, that uh, figure Matthew's referencing is his uh, government salary, I would assume, uh, and not his uh, his personal money. That's, uh, I would imagine, a gentleman who's investing in his own industry, has a lot of money in pharmaceutical goods, and as well as uh, research labs, uh, say, I don't know, in Wuhan. Yeah. Um, wait. Well, wait a minute. Now I'm... I'm really skeptical. The, the top article that I pulled up, it says that Dr. Fauci mysteriously earned $9 million in 2020, but it is from realrawnews.com. And I'm not sure. If it, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little skeptical. You're not, of, you're not down with the raw? You're not raw dogging it, man? Getting the real information out there? That's a, that's a pretty good sl- They should advertise like that. <laughs> Just go full yeah, Ricky Bobby advertisement. I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical of that, but here is a more credible source, so to speak. It says that Dr. Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest paid employee in the entire U.S. federal government, um, that Dr. Fauci made $417,000, which is more than the president makes. Always interesting how... uh... All these people who get to decide how all the money is spent and how the rules of engagement between legal contracts, uh, what types of two consenting parties can come together and create things uh, always seem to come out a little bit better than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a 10-year period between 2010-2019, Fauci made $3.6 million in salary. Since 2014, Fauci's pay increased from 
$335,000 to the current 417. Hmm. May go. It's working hard out there. You're right, man. It makes it's like, dang, I should have, I should have, I should have worked harder in school. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, like, what type of degree do you have to be to like become a professional charlatan? You know, it's like, I mean, I, mean, I guess I'm already on my way. I think I'm it's in more about politics. the. Uh, I might just keep it up. <laughs> I think it's less. Yeah, I was about to say it's honestly, it's less the degree. You're on the track right now. You just have to shake hands with and take uh, condemning pictures with the right people to get into those clubs at this point. All right. Well. <laughs> you gotta fly to the uh the right islands and have videotapes made of yourself so that you know for sure that you won't betray the in, in crowd man i think i'll uh i think i'll live my poor peaceful life <laughs> out here in the woods uh, hard hard pass on that one and then just like since we're talking about like the big uh the big media there's facebook um i don't really have anything to say about facebook that it besides it absolutely sucks and that the wax uh, statue of mark zuckerberg looks a lot more lifelike than he does um so it, i think that it like they probably like captured his soul and put it into uh that that wax statue and then he's just like the ai oh. that's 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 being ran now I, I think it's just a misconception of exactly what the molting cycle of a large reptilian looks like. I think it's just a longer period and he's waiting to shed said skin. I'm sure he'll come out looking great. Dude, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know that I'm talking about, like you should just Google like a picture of his wax statue and then a picture of his last congressional hearing and look at the, the just look at him and tell me which one actually looks like a person. And I'm going <laughs> comical. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough lineup to pick. You'll struggle for a moment to realize which one's which for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so would you rather talk about the cabal or Dr. Fauci? Well, go ahead. Let's knock out the cabal real quick and then we'll uh, finish up with Fauci. OK, um, so the cabal, this is and this is not like breaking news, right? We've already talked about this and this is kind of already permeated through the news cycle. But there was a Times article dated February 4, 2021, that talked about the um, the hidden cabal to save America's election. And I'm just going to read a couple of quick quotes out of it, and then we can move forward. Um, and this is directly from the article, quote, there was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protest and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans, dot, dot, dot. It continued on a few paragraphs later. A few paragraphs later, the handshake between business and labors was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election, an extraordinary shadow effort dedicated not only to winning the vote, but to ensuring that it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. For more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up American institutions as they came under simultaneously attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratically inclined president. Though much of this activity took place on the left, it was separate from the Biden campaign and crossed ideological lines with crucial contributions by nonpartisan and conservative actors. The scenario of the shadow campaigners were desperate to stop uh, was were desperate to stop was not a Trump victory. It was an election so calamitous that no results could have been discerned at all. A failure of the central act of democratic self-governance that had been a hallmark of the America since its founding. And I think it's just like what strikes me uh, the most about this is when you get shadow 
and um, loosely organized coalitions. That those are that's that is literally a conspiracy, and they are so proud to talk about this because their side won. Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of these old things that if you a lot of these state actors, if you let them talk long enough, they have these little Freudian slips like this, um, where he was trying to explain why this is for big drum roll the greater good that we always talk about. Every time you have one of these things where somebody misappropriates your tax money or gives you misinformation to get you to vote a certain way or tells you there's weapons of mass destruction so we have to go invade a country and murder a bunch of women and children and hospitals and elementary schools along the way uh, to the tune of two to each soldier we actually kill. It's always for the greater good. And this uh, organized cabal was not some grand conspiracy uh, because conspiracies are bad. Rather, it was us coming together, understanding what was best for America and best for you, and we changed who the king was for the next four years, or at least muddied the waters enough that it was uh, fudgeable and confusing, and that we could have fought it the other way had he come up on top of the tally. We could have argued it the opposite direction and continued this whole mess uh, and handicapped his ability to, to continue leading this country. It's this dirty, dirty game. And every single time it comes down to, we were doing this to benefit you because we're altruistic good guys. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a really good meme. Um, and I mean, this has been circulating for, it's probably like the eighth time I've seen it, but popped up today and it made me laugh. It's um, it's a reiteration of the trolley problem, right? You know, you can pull the, you can pull the lever and it either kills one person or it kills 10. And it was like um, pulling the, tr <laughs> pulling the lever changes the trolley color from red to blue. And it just shows a bunch of like people getting ran over by the trolley on a single track. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other one. Uh, that I've been seeing with the trolleys where, you know, it's headed towards the one person or headed towards four people and you can pull the lever to save four people doing less damage, but you're kind of condemning the one person, just the classic trolley. Um, but then there's a thought bubble coming up from the trolley as uh, that says, they don't know the CIA is making me do this, but the <laughs> same, the same thought bubble comes from both the group of four, the group of one and the gentleman pulling the lever where every single thought bubble is the CIA is making me do this. <laughs> I have not seen that one. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't make it into one of those uh, aforementioned group texts there. I'm sure I'll have to go dig it up in my phone and send it to the the gentlemen, the league of in, uh, intellectuals that we swim up in, upon. <laughs> Big brain juice. Big brain juice. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right there. That is somebody slipping up and admitting to the fact that they muddied the waters during this election and that they did a lot of shady things to make it so that this wouldn't be a clear election. Um, and, and then they, they said the quiet part loud. I think that's right. How you put it. That's, that's exactly, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> they said the quiet part loud. Um, and on that note, so let's bring it back home here. We're going to call bring it uh, around to again, the, the most prevalent one in our minds today, because it's the one that's still affecting our lives and a lot of this nation. Um, as we slowly start opening back up being the coronavirus and specifically with Fauci himself and all the lies and all the half truths and all the uh, incentives that he has had to lead you down the wrong path along the way. Yep. He has lied about the narrative multiple times. Um, at least if he's not lied about it, he has switched his story. Masks were bad. 
Um, nope, you don't need a mask. Actually, now you need now you need a mask. Maybe you need two masks. You know why we're at it. You should probably just wear three. And now that you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask anymore. Um, so I mean, it's just been all over. Um, most likely, he has lied about the gain of function research funding from the NIH to China. Um, that's that's one of those things that we're going to keep an eye on. Um, as we move forward and just uh, just so you guys know we do record these episodes in advance and so between when you're hearing this and um, our recording something may come up uh, that that you know that might that might uh, definitively say that he has been lying about this but right now it's like he's most likely lying and you know and I guess on that note um, I'll turn it over to Logan we'll see what comes of this and we don't have all the answers uh but we just want to point out the man that has been the face of this pandemic the the person that has been hired to direct and advise americans has been less than honest and an outright liar on a number of things so why does he have any credibility and why are we listening to any of these companies anymore like why does why does instagram get to say why does facebook get to say why does cnn why does fox why does msnbc why do any of these people that have you know that have spewed false narrative for over a year why do they get any say in any of this anymore right why can't we all just lay a cards on the table so to speak why can't we all get all of the information and decide what we can logically deduce from that and decide what might be true uh, versus why are we still getting handed down our information from on high um, so you know just to brush through up against a couple of them one of the uh, first ones that jumped into my mind was uh, hydroxychloroquine, which Trump brought up early on while he was still uh, president there during the pandemic, not early on in the presidency, but early on in the pandemic. Um, that's something that was a possible treatment for this and got fact checked and, and laughed off the stage. Um, turns out to be one of the better treatments, I think, right now that they have for it from the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have the, the hydroxychloroquine. Chloroquine. It's great stuff. Wonderful medicine. Uh, and we also had to... Fauci told us we didn't need a mask early on in this pandemic, um, which it's understandable that somebody would change their mind, but that's not what he did in this instance because Fauci has later on admitted that he knew that masks would make a difference in his own estimation uh, and that he decided that he wanted to reserve the mask for the, the medical industry. And you might push back on that and say, well, yeah, the medical industry needed those, those masks and gloves and, and they didn't want it to get taken up by the general population. So that was probably a smart move by Fauci. Uh, the part of that where I have a problem with it is Fauci's job is not to make sure that the medical community has enough. Uh, his job as an appointed official of the United States, as some the, the czar of medical information, uh, the one who gets to, to decide all of these things that have affected our life greatly over the last year, he's supposed to be there to facilitate you as a citizen. He's here to serve you, appointed by your president to tell us what the best method is. So for him to lie to you is an abuse of his power in that position, I would say, uh, and then to to lean towards the, the medical community. Um, Indeed, real fast, uh, there's actually two articles that pop up. Um, was hydroxychloroquine unfairly discredited from real clear politics and the Washington times reported Trump derangement syndrome was hydroxychloroquine unfairly discredited during the pandemic. Yep. That's exactly it. And we've also seen these numbers shift a little bit. So we heard a little bit about herd immunity early on. Uh, essentially the way I understand the vaccine is that it's an imitation of the protein molecule 
uh, and therefore the vaccine is not actually a dead form of the virus, uh, where is how the influenza vaccine works, if I understand it correctly, but You're rather correct. it's an imitation of the external structure spike, of the virus. Spike protein, specifically. Spike proteins, that's right. So it teaches your body how to fight things that are shaped like the coronavirus so that when you are later introduced to it, your body already has natural immunity to it. Um, so they they had numbers early on in that that has been pushed back more and more as as those numbers go up. The numbers get larger that are required for us to be able to start living free lives again, for you to get your freedoms and rights and and sovereignty back. That number keeps getting pushed farther. The same happened for the vaccine itself. That Originally, the vaccination numbers needed for us to open up were much lower than they are now. Uh, now they're kind of getting to the point where they're like, we we kind of think everybody should be vaccinated. <laughs> it's it's not, it's, you know, just uh, the manipulation of numbers. And uh, again, you know, those could be changing throughout the time, potentially. Maybe that's just... Uh, more information's coming out and he's finding out more about it, or it could match up with uh, all of these things that we're laying out. And that's kind of why we're laying them all out side by side to show you that he seems to have a vested interest in this uh, to continue this, um, this, whether it's through for his own newfound celebrity in the media or through his investments in his personal life um, through who knows how many of these pharmaceutical companies. Well, um, real raw news says he made nine million news. Raw news. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a pussy. Take your news raw. Anyway, there is one other one that I really wanted to focus in on today. Um, there are two terms that I've just been learning about myself, which is uh, CFR and IFR. Uh, those stand for clinical, um, oh shoot, I lost it. Where did it go? Way to go, Logan. Stands I'm for sorry. Logan didn't do his research <laughs> and Logan's unprepared. Well, dang it. I apologize, guys. Let me scroll through this article that I still have open. A big fail. Uh, excuse me. I thought I typed it into the notes. Uh, so it's case fatality rate versus infectious fatality rate. So the reason these are important are these are both two different uh, mortality rates within a disease. They're measured two different ways. So early on, when we were having these discussions on what we were to do for the coronavirus, uh, Fauci got up in front of Congress on the 11th of March, 2020, uh, on behalf of NIAD, which he is the, the president of. Um, and he told Congress that SARS-CoV-2 uh, has a mortality rate 10 times that of the common flu. And that's why it's important for us to get in front of this thing. Uh, this is something that was said in front of Congress just before we locked down to help influence their decision or inform their decision. It's probably a better way to put that on what they should be doing uh, to avoid this virus becoming something that comes out of control. Now, the reason this is important is because Dr. Fauci used an umbrella term mortality rate. He did not go into the more specific jargon of the industry, CFR and IFR, uh, because these are measured very differently. Now, what he said to the, our congressional people is that it was 10 times uh, more a higher mortality rate than the common flu. However, he was using two different terms. With COVID, he was talking about the case fatality rate. Uh, now, case fatality rate is the total number of deaths divided by the total number of people who have the disease's symptoms. And that's the important part is the disease's symptoms. So 
it started off uh, them reporting this as 3% death rate. It's now kind of been walked back to about 1%. So the people who are showing symptoms have about a 1% uh, death rate early on, or at least at the point where Fauci was in front of our Congress uh, telling us this. Uh, and then he goes on to say that it's 10 times that the fatality rate of the flu. However, when he was referring to the flu, the fatality rate he was referring to was the IFR or the infected fatality rate. The reason that's important is because unlike the CFR, which he referred to with COVID, the IFR actually includes asymptomatic people. So there's a lot of people every year who get the flu. They have it within their body. Their immune system just crushes it and they have zero issues. They don't even get the sniffles. They don't miss work and they don't ever go to the doctor. So those people are not counted in a CFR. So the dirty part of this game is that now that we have better numbers and the numbers have come out, it turns out the IFR of COVID SARS-2 is just about 0.1%, which is exactly what the statistically the common flu is. Now there's some small difference in those numbers if you go beyond one, one decimal place, but the point is that this was presented to your government, to your Congress, by the elected official who was in charge of this as 10 times deadlier than the flu. And it caused them to shut down our economy, to print tons of money, to stimulate uh, all those poor people who were out of work by giving most of that money to foreign entities and corporations. Uh, but they also gave you a, a couple checks. Um, but it was all based you know, on- I just found one, actually. I was cleaning out all of this, all of my <laughs> mail that I have stacked up on one of my desks. And I found a stimulus check and I'm going to pay my taxes with that. That's a happy accident for sure. It is. Stimulus. Yeah. I, think I think they're supposed to use those for firearms, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, I, I might not. <laughs> I, I, might, I might not give that back. I might actually. You know what? Now that you say that, I am going to go buy them. <laughs> I have money to pay uh, my taxes. And that, everyone, is a firsthand, in-person example of how good propaganda works. Just right. a seed was planted in Matthew's head. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to push me very far for that one. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, but I mean, that's, that's just what I'm saying here is this is something that in flubbing these, these terms, which I had to look up, I didn't know what they were. I didn't even have them memorized for this podcast. Obviously I had to pull the article back up to, to remember case versus infectious fatality rate, but these are commonly used within the industry. Dr. Fauci has been working in his entire life. Uh, right. Daily lexicon. Right. It's a lot like I, Matthew and I both worked uh, our stint in the restaurant industry, as did most of you. Uh, you ever tell somebody you had something that was 86 or, hey, we're 86 this or that at the house. If you worked in a restaurant industry, you know exactly what I'm saying right now. It means you do not have it. Uh, 68 means it's back on the menu. I don't even know where these terms come from. But if you worked in that industry for any extended period of time, you're going to have that uh, presented to you and you know exactly what it means. That's, a, a, I would think, a pretty apt comparison to CFR versus IFR for someone like Fauci. So either the state apparatus, the people that were appointed to be the czars of health, to tell us how we have to live our lives that shut down our economy so that we would be safe from this virus, either one knowingly lied to you using mortality rate as an umbrella term, not defining, uh, not specifying that they were using two different measurements of fatality rates uh, that are very well known within their industry, or best case scenario, if you're a pro-state person and you think we're just a crazy anarchal uh, radicalists screaming about why we shouldn't have a state. Your, your best argument here is that Dr. Fauci and his infinite wisdom and every single employee under him and everyone on his staff that helps him write these speeches that goes to present this to Congress 
didn't catch the fact that they were using a CFR and IFR, which are two completely different measurements when they were presenting this vital information. The other is negligent and you decide which one sits better with you. Yeah. You're either ruled by evil people or by morons. And either way, I'd rather have my own authority to be honest with you. That's a, yeah, that's a great way to just drive that home. Yeah, dude, it's so dumb. And something that um, I I thought of, um, I just looked it up. So the death toll for COVID-19, allegedly, right? Because I mean, so I think the numbers are conflated to a certain extent, but has officially crossed the 600,000 mark. Where are the headlines about that? Because they were very apt to, you know, they were Johnny on the spot to let us know every single time we crossed another 50,000 and 100,000 threshold with Donald Trump. But as soon as Joe Biden was elected, um, they stopped talking about that because before before this election, there was less than half a million deaths. So why why wasn't why wasn't half a million deaths of COVID-19? Why was that not being reported? Why are we now talking that we've hit the 600,000 mark? We get articles like COVID-19 deaths have fallen to their lowest level since March of 2020. And it's like, really? You mean since the pandemic started? Wow, (laughs) this is great news. The first day we started testing. And I think that again is just another great example of this state machine that is going to justify itself. It's going to come back around. And what they're seeing now is that Florida really fucked up the narrative and Texas followed suit shortly after by opening up and their cases didn't skyrocket. Yeah. Why aren't you guys all dead? I thought you, yeah, guys, you think we would be wiped out by you guys now. You're supposed to be dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so. And that's, that's exactly the issue is now they have these two examples of people who are not locking down anything who are having fully open stadium sporting events. The Dallas Mavericks are out there. Uh, knock on wood closing out the Clippers tomorrow night uh, <laughs> in the NBA and they're going to do it to a full stadium in Dallas. Uh, so with that, they're having to, to face up against the facts are becoming overwhelming that they can't continue to fear monger this virus anymore. So what they're going to have to do is start walking it back. So that's why you're seeing articles that are, Hey, turns out it's not going, not going too bad guys. Things are starting to go well uh, where they were using it as a tool to to demonize Donald Trump in the the first place. Now it's having to slowly walk that back. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of truth to what I've been hearing from a lot of talking heads out there. Uh, and the bourgeoisie is is losing intelligence, just like the rest of us, um, where we all have GPS on our phone and and Siri and Google can answer every answer uh, every question that comes to your mind on a whim uh, just by saying. Um, Hey Siri, which I hope doesn't set off our phones right now. It definitely did. Uh, but in doing so, it's almost uh, handicapped us. It's given us a cast. It's uh, when you wear a cast, you have attrition of your your muscle mass goes away. Um, and in that same way, this has happened to our bourgeoisie as well. And and they they're not thinking steps and steps and steps ahead like they used to. They're <laughs> simply going shit. We we want uh, Hillary Clinton to get elected. What should we do? oh, let's uh, demonize anybody on the right except Donald Trump and let's vault him into the election because nobody would vote for that clown. And then he wins and they go, holy shit, we got Donald Trump's in over Hillary Clinton. What the fuck just happened? Right. So they spend, uh, ah, it's Russian collusion. And then by the time uh, before the next election comes through, most of the Russian collusion gets uh, sought out because they didn't think out far enough. And they're like, fuck, that four-year plan only took three years. So ah, it's uh, there's this deadly pandemic. We have to shut everything down. And this is why. And it's, it's almost like we're, we're watching the powers that be who used to be so good at hiding these things and so uh, 
well-versed in sneaking these small numbers right under our noses. Uh, whereas now they're just a little bit buffoonish and they're, they're swinging blindly with a wolfel bat at the, the first target they can get. Uh, and it might fix today's problem, but it, it's certainly not uh, keeping them behind the veil uh, as long as they would like to. No, not at all. Um, it's something I just did some real quick math um, and, uh, you know, take these numbers with a grain of salt. Um, I just pulled them off the interwebs. Uh, so New Mexico has had um, exactly the, the official quote unquote number. Here is 4,270 deaths from uh, the coronavirus. Our population is roughly around 2 million. It's a little bit over 2 million. So that comes out to 0.002% fatality um, for New Mexico of infections, uh, or I guess of just, wait, would that be case fatality see i don't i i'm not sure which believe, one of those it falls i'm not exactly sure the data you're pulling but it seems like that would be infectious fatality rate okay gotcha because it's just like uh anyways uh whatever which, whichever one of those falls it's 0. 0.002 um i then texas has had fifty-one thousand deaths roughly with a rough population rounding up to 29 million which takes you to 0. 0.0017 so texas who has been open who has been having a lot better time than new mexico in a lot of ways except um, that's right you I live up. ninnies up there in new mexico locked down for so long <laughs> for no reason you're still twice which as was... weak as we texas <laughs> we mighty mighty texans <laughs> which you know that i mean if I was in, if I was in like Clovis um, or if I was in any other part of New Mexico than where I am, I live in, I live in the beautiful part, the green mountain part where we have, where we have awesome bike parks and ski resorts and, and river lakes and stuff like that. They barely have really time with all their outdoor activities or reasons to do methamphetamines up there. <laughs> well, we find plenty of reasons to do <laughs> meth <laughs> and heroin up here. It's, uh, it's really more of a state tradition at this point. It's alive and well. There's there's no, no amount of outdoor out activities can reduce your need to do math, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me of that, that South Dakota um, ad that they ran to try to like deter kids from doing meth. It was like South Dakota meth. We're on it, and it's like yes, you are. <laughs> uh, <we> agree. <laughs> so yeah. Having been Back to, to several, yeah, I might want to go ahead and test whoever decided to make this sign. Right, like having been to truck stops in South Dakota, you guys are on math. Like, that is <laughs> that is an accurate description. Uh, Well-represented population may not even be a minority at this point. Indeed. Um, well, I think just to like wrap this up and and drive it home, uh, be extremely skeptical of the corporate industrial complex. Uh, big tech is not your friend. In fact, that they are the enemy of a free society. And if we as liberty loving people want to prevail, then we're going to have to do something um, about, about this unholy merger of big tech and the government. Uh, ideally, um, because Logan and I are free market um, supporters, we would see uh, the free market solve this, that, um, that the need for independent news and media that is not extremely biased towards the state narrative would arise, fill that gap, and then just through profits um, and uh, production and performance start to fuel a change in it. Um, but I, that's, that's a whole different topic for a, a different day. But what we want to drive home 
is be skeptical of big tech. They are not your friend. That's right. This podcast today is not for us to tell you the solutions to this, for us to fix this. It's for us to help plant that seed of skepticism of all the news you're getting and to encourage you guys to not get your news from any one source. Um, even if it's one as, as miraculously accurate and uh, well thought out and well articulated as what Matthew and I are presenting here today, um, you need to get your news from all sides. Uh, even if you're a voted Republican every day of your life up to this point, you're still, in my mind, uneducated on the topics if you're not listening to something the other side's saying. Uh, and I would definitely encourage you to expand that past because uh, Matthew and I would probably both argue that the mainstream media on the right wing and the left wing is pretty much the same anyway, that they're both uh, in support of the same terrible policies that the entire industrial complex is in our, our industry, uh, that go find small things, um, not just me and Matthew, but uh, these third-party podcaster journalists who are out there doing really good work, who are digging into it, uh, find the leftists like Jimmy Dore that uh, demonizes Obama because he knows all the evil things he did, rather than just and praising AOC. him for being the first uh, and AOC, uh, and find the the people on the right that criticize uh, Donald Trump, uh, that criticize the wars that George W. Bush started. Um, if you have a a news source that is a hundred percent positive on any one particular person, party thing they're probably on that person's payroll or have a vested interest in that person's success story. Amen to that, man. Um, got anything else? Final thoughts, lasting all, words, guys, people over politics, show me, don't tell me, watch what people do, educate yourself and know what you're out there supporting voting for. Uh, don't just do it because the crowd's excited about it. You got to be against that mob. You got to understand and do your own educated research and do your, your own uh, due diligence to be educated on this. Otherwise you're just one of those sheep. Don't be a sheep. Don't be a pawn. Thank you very much for listening to against the mall podcast, Logan Carpenter, Matt Billingsley coming to you guys every single week. And we will be back next week for a brand new episode for you guys. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Engage with us there. We really appreciate it. Um, keep an eye out. One of these days, we'll get a website up. Um, I'm just going to like drop it out of the blue, um, and it's going to be done. It's going to be awesome. And then you guys will be able to directly support the show um, through the website. But until then, guys, remember, we fight against the mob with people over politics. See you next week.